Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. Um, let's welcome Pastor George. Thank you so much for being here with us again. And it's wonderful to see Crystal is back. Good morning, Crystal. And Dee, good to see you, Dee. Uh, Pastor Ken does extend his apologies and love for unable to being uh, to be here today. Um, please keep him and his family in your prayers. Um, and just a couple of couple of announcements. Well, I should say he's just feeling a little under the weather, so we'll just keep him and his family in our prayers for that. And. Um, this week, we do need to cancel our Luke Bible study on Tuesday, and our Ash Wednesday service is also canceled. However, we have, if you want to get your ashes um, or go to an Ash Wednesday service, Grace offers one at 11 a.m., and Radiant is going to have one at 7 p.m., so you have options as well. And then I'm holding a prayer meeting on Thursday at 11 a.m. if anyone wants to join me for that. Um, let's see. I think that's about it. So we'll, we'll begin our service. Thank you. stand if you're able. Let us begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and trust. Sins. Most merciful God. mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for all who... For the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. put their trust in you, mercifully grant that you, by your power, we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Good morning. 
The first reading is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verses 1 through 12, and can be found on page 329 in the Pew Bible. Most of Deuteronomy was written by Moses, and he wrote the book to remind the people of what God had done and encourage them to rededicate their lives to him. The final chapter of Deuteronomy, which I'm going to read, is titled The Death of Moses, and is most likely written by Joshua after Moses' death. Deuteronomy 34, 1-12. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pishgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim, and Manasseh, all the lands of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to you, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days, until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all those signs and wonders the Lord had sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. We're going to read Psalm 99 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. Psalm 99 sings praises of God's fairness and holiness. Because God is perfectly just and fair, we can trust him completely. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and decrees he gave them. Exalt the the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. The next reading is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and this can be found on page 1864 in the Pew Bible. The book of Hebrews was most likely written before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in A.D. 70. We don't know the author of the book, but during that time, Jewish Christians were probably undergoing fierce persecution from the Jews and the Romans. These verses were titled, Christ is Greater Than Moses. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He is faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, 
just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses is faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son of God, as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Luke from the ninth chapter, found on page 1609 of your Pew Bible. This reading starts off rather abruptly with a leaving a question in my mind any about about eight days after Jesus said this, what's the this? So let's put it in context. In earlier on in this same passage here. It says that Jesus took his disciples to a private place to uh, pray. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us where it is, but archaeologists and theologians uh, theorized that it was in Caesarea Philippi. The kingdom was divided at the time between the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And the northern kingdom built idols so that uh, people could worship there instead of taking the trip down to Judah to worship in God's sanctuary. So the reason they picked this particular place to match scripture was that on this big rock on the top they build a golden calf just like during the exodus. And on the face of the rock there was niches carved in it with the the god of Pan. Below that was a large cave with water gushing out of it from an underground uh, spring which was known as the gates of hell. It was at this place that Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And his reply was, you are God's Messiah. And Jesus also said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now gates are defensive, not offensive. In other words, Jesus was taking the battle right to the enemy. So, now... The gospel reading for today. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in the glorious splendor uh, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his uh, companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid. As they entered the cloud, a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves. They did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. All glory to you, Lord. The title of my sermon for today is Full-Time Job. How many of you have or had had a full-time job? Yeah, or maybe a a part-time job or several of them. Yeah, 
Okay. It'll become apparent why I ask that as I go along. There's a lot of talk these days about bringing back and keeping jobs here at home. Many corporations have moved production overseas, found that cheap labor in itself was not as profitable as producing product here in the United States. However, recent events have uh, closed a good portion of small businesses, and some people are no longer able to participate in their careers of their choice and training due to choices they had to make, decisions. Consequently, these days there are hundreds of thousands of people who would love to have or need a full-time job or just to, make, just to make ends meet. You've probably been there once or twice yourself, too much month and not enough money. Inflation has taken its toll. I read that some people who have a full-time job don't even make enough to afford the rents these days and are living on the street, forced to take two or three jobs. Even if you have a job these days, you may only be allowed to work 20 hours a week or less in order to save the employer from providing expensive employee benefits. Some uh, even uh, kick in only after the employee has worked their six months. And just before the six months are up, they fire the employee only to hire them back a couple weeks later and start the six months all over again. <sighs> the reason I asked you if you had a full-time job is because actually each of us has multiple full-time jobs, some of them actually occurring simultaneously. God is the one who employs us in these jobs, which encompass every aspect of our life. What am I talking about? In Colossians 3.17, we, we, we find that there are several whatever-you-do's commands. Whatever you do, do it, you do it in word and deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord and not to men. And in Colossians uh, Corinthians uh, 10.31, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And third, John 1.5, do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and the, for the stranger. All of these tell us that every aspect of our lives are to be conducted in accordance with God's plan and to his glory. Where do these jobs come from? These jobs are God-ordained and planned for us before we were born. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are his creation in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us that we should walk in them. The word for creation used here more accurately should be uh, interpreted as described as his pinnacle of creation, his opus magnum, Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel, whatever you can think of as the, the biggest and best creation. And he kind of gives a, an indication of uh, how he values us and, and what he has created in us in the scripture concerning the, the Tower of Babel in Genesis eleven six, The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do would be impossible for them. God's saying that his creation, man, can accomplish anything they put their mind to. That said, we are created to work in conjunction with Christ Jesus for good works. In fact, in John 15, it tells us that I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For the, apart from me, he can do nothing. That nothing means nothing good. God did not just give us all this potential and leave us on our own. No. In his love for us, he created good works for us that we should walk in them. We should do them. They are God's calling for us. In creating us, God gave each of us unique gifts, passions, to perfectly fulfill 
the good works that he prepared for us. They are how God carries out his, his continue, continuing work of creating new life, providing our and all of society's daily bread, everything that we need to sustain society and our individual lives. They are jobs like being a man or a woman, a spouse, a father, a mother, brother, sister, grandpa, grandma, great-grandparents as well, a friend, a teacher, nurse, etc. All sorts of jobs that provide products and service for consumption by us and our neighbors. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. And in uh, Philippians 2.13, he tells us, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives us both the desire and the ability to do them. They are carried out in the family as fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers, and all of the relationships and interrelationships. In the church, we are all sisters and brothers adopted into God's family carrying out all the duties and to keep the congregation healthy. <laughs> Got a little bug bothering me. And relationships to keep the congregation whole. The workplace, doing our work is unto the Lord and not the boss, doing our best even when the boss isn't looking because we're working as unto the Lord. In public office, carrying out our discipleship, reflecting God's attributes to the world around us. It's a part of being a disciple and fulfilling our part in society. We are to be net producers, not consumers. We are to produce more than we consume. In everything we do, being a friend, providing a service or goods, so that the extra is available to bless those in need. When we realize that everything that we do is a part of God's plan, it changes our attitude towards performing our jobs wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, to the best of our ability and to God's glory. It's how we take up our cross and love others as we are commanded to do. Every day we sacrifice our precious time and energy for the benefit of others. It's having goals outside of ourselves. This is the sacrifice that produces a healthy society and fulfills God's plan for society. Discipleship was around before Jesus was even born. Discipleship was practiced in the northern part of Galilee. And um, it consisted of schooling uh, just for the sake of uh, discussion here, their equivalent of free school taught the children how to read and write. Then came middle school, which taught the children to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. I can't even imagine myself remembering all five books word for word. And then after that would come high school, which taught them the theology of the, of the scriptures. After this, they had a choice to make, either to return to the family business or finding a rabbi to follow and become like him. Most students returned to the family business. The family business consisted of things like growing grapes and figs, wheat, or things like fishing and raising sheep, etc. Each family member relied on the others for the welfare and protection of the family. Everything you did as a family member either brought honor or disgrace to the family. Those that chose to go on further would choose a rabbi they wanted to become like and ask him if they were qualified to be his disciple. Jesus turned things around and chose his disciples instead of the disciples choosing him. Jesus told his disciple to come follow me. I know you can become like me. Five out of the twelve disciples came from the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, they, <clears throat> where discipleship was already practiced. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Philip all came from Bethsaida. 
Like the rabbi's disciples, Jesus' disciples followed him around day and night to observe how he acts and reacts. Is he the same in private as he is in public? The goal of discipleship is to become like the rabbi, the teacher. The same is true for us, to become like Jesus. Jesus chooses us, and we did not choose him. John 15, 6, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should, ab should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Once again, we see that our salvation is, a, is about what Jesus did for us. His sacrifice made it possible for God the Father to give us his gift of grace, freely given and freely received. Our only action, our only response is to accept the gift and, and express our gratitude by becoming good disciples. Our callings are full-time endeavors, full-time jobs. As we follow Jesus every day of our lives, the four whatever you do's instruct us to do all in the name of the Lord, to the glory of God, to the brethren and the stranger, wholeheartedly as to the Lord and not to men. And in doing this, you have borne witness to the love of God. It's a part of having a living faith and not a dead one. Doers of the word not just hearers of the word, doing something that demonstrates faith. For faith with no effort is no faith at all. It is a dead faith. True faith is performing little acts of love to those around us. I heard of a pastor who told of a woman in his congregation that came to him troubled because she felt that she had not done enough for the Lord. He asked her, how are your two sons doing? She said that, well, Tom is now a missionary in India teaching on the life of Jesus. And how about Henry? Oh, oh, he's pastoring a church in Kentucky for the last seven years. The pastor replied and said, and you think you haven't done enough for the Lord? It doesn't take great acts. It just takes sharing God and his word and his love to those around you to fulfill your discipleship. We're not alone in our, our work for God. All of us have received the Holy Spirit to dwell in us when we accepted God's gift of grace. It is by his power, his presence, that we can ask him to lead us each day in all righteousness. Abiding in the Lord Jesus is like is the key to bearing much fruit to the glory of the Father. Again, in John 15, the parable of the vine tells us that I am the vine, you are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Continuing on in verse 8, this is... This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you keep my commands, you will remain in, in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Abiding requires obedience. It is the key to loving our neighbor by carrying out our vocations, our full-time jobs. Therefore, according to the Apostle Paul, we would fulfill the whole law of God. In Galatians 5.14, the Apostle Paul says, the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. In doing so, you fulfill the whole law. In fact, James calls it the royal law. To buy, to stay connected, we need to study and, and read scripture, to pray often, ask the Holy Spirit each morning to lead us in all righteousness, becoming Christ-like, becoming like the rabbi, reflecting the love of God to all those around us, and performing, performing little acts of love. God is the one who employs us in these jobs, each encompassing every aspect of our lives. God equipped us for each 
of us for the work he planned for us to fill our part in society. These are the vocations or full-time jobs God ordained us to carry out in his work of creating new life, providing for an orderly society and for our daily bread. They are the means for us to fulfill his command to love your neighbor and to, his, and to God's glory, taking our cross up each day, dying to self, becoming more Christ-like, sacrificing our precious time, energy, and talents for the good of others. Please uh, bow your heart in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, God Almighty, help us to carry out the good works you have planned for us to your glory. All glory and honor to you, O Lord. No other is worthy, worthy of our praise. And help us to demonstrate our love to the world around us, your love to the world around us. Help us to pick up our cross each day, crucifying the old Adam and resurrect us into the image of Christ Jesus, to sin less each day, sacrificing our valuable time and energy to benefit of others and to your glory. This is not by our own power and might, but by yours. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with all glory to you, Father, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, amen. In Jesus' name.
Please join me in confessing the tenets of our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you to praise you and thank you for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for your faithfulness, your love, your forgiveness, and your mercies that are new every morning. Please help us to see each day as a blessing and help us to remember that we can come to you when we face trials, temptations, and troubles. You are our provider. Jesus, you are the answer. We thank you, Holy Father, for this church family, for Pastor Ken, and for Pastor George. Please bless them and their families and all pastors that you have ordained to do your will. We thank you, Lord, for our sister church, Victory Outreach. We pray that you would bless them. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which sustains us and gives us hope when we are weak and weary. Lord, we pray that you would help us be obedient to you and your ways. Lord, our nation and its leaders need your help and guidance. We lift up all those in the Ukraine and those who are a part of Josiah Venture Ministries and all missionaries around the world, especially the Humeran and Shamel families. Please protect them and grant them peace and grant peace for that region. Lord, fill us up with your Holy Spirit so that we would be more like your Son, Jesus, our Savior. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to be a people of integrity and a light in this dark world. We thank you, Father, that you are in control of all things. Please keep us safe and in your loving care. Lord, we lift up those who are facing addictions for the homeless and the displaced. We lift up our unsaved loved ones and ask that you would reveal yourself to them and stir up their faith. Lord, we pray that you would bless all healthcare workers and those who are facing disease in body or mind. Lord, please grant relief for those who are in chronic pain. Please help those who have anxiety and are fearful. Please be with all caregivers and those who are dealing with memory loss and confusion. Lord, we pray for protection from the COVID virus and ask that you would take it away and heal all those who are sick. 
Lord, we also ask that you would heal those who are facing cancer and send your comfort to them and grant them your peace, which transcends all understanding. We thank you, Lord, that by Jesus' wounds we are healed and made whole. Thank you, Lord Jesus, beautiful Savior. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. The Lord be with you. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, and, and be careful of all things through your goodness. You have blessed us with our gifts. With them we offer ourselves to you and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gives himself for us. Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, our joy, and we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God. For the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb, who gave himself to take away our sin, who in dying has destroyed death and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with the earth and the sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join in the unending hymn. in which our Savior was betrayed. He took bread, gave thanks, and blessed it, broke it, and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after the meal, he took the cup of wine and said, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as long as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, <laughs> we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and look forward to his glorious return. Amen. Join me in the prayer that uh, Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated, uh, follow the usher's instructions, and will the communion uh, assistants please come forward?
please receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord smile on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.